We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Welcome back to The Pod is the Roof, the official UNC basketball podcast, Field of 68. I am your host, Riley Davis, joined as always by my co-host, Jacob Karabatsis, and we're back after a nice little holiday break, enjoyed some Christmas time festivities with our families, uh, New Year's Eve, of course. How are you doing, JK? How was your holiday? It was good, man. You know, always got to show, always got to show what I'm repping. Got a nice, fresh, new North Carolina sweatshirt, so had had to bring it on for the for the post-holiday episode but uh yeah man it was a a time filled with a lot of treats you know like we like we drafted I was absolutely killing those peanut butter Ritz crackers dipped in chocolate just absolutely elite and yeah man we got to we've got to enjoy two UNC dubs since the last time we recorded um we kind of knew what was going to happen against Charleston Southern and then tonight was kind of the dreaded one, man. Like mm-hmm. lost three straight, one and five in the last six. It's like we cannot beat Pitt. Tonight we finally flipped the script, which I think says a lot about this team. I think it was a big litmus test. But yeah, man, I'm I'm excited. I'm this group just keeps giving me reason to believe every week. Uh, I'm with you on all accounts, starting with the treats. Uh, I crushed some peppermint bark. My oh. wife got me some of my stocking. It was great. Uh, oh, I made some homemade hot chocolate the other night, which I, I mm. thought of you because I know that was your second pick. Let me tell you, homemade hot chocolate is tough to beat. But yeah, it's uh, I'll go ahead and say it with like, well, about this game tonight. Uh, we're recording this right after about 40 minutes after UNC capped off a 70-57 win over Pitt. This was the most nervous I've been about a game heading into it. Because at least me mentally as a fan, like the Kentucky game, it's almost like a, you know, it's a win-win. Well, it's a win-win in the sense that if you win, of course, you're ecstatic. But if you lose, it doesn't hurt you. It doesn't hurt your resume. Same with UConn. Uh, to to a similar extent, Oklahoma, same with that too. And it was tough to be nervous about that game just because it was in Charlotte. Like these big games against top 10, top 15 teams, those because I believe this Carolina team is pretty good and we've we really had sort of since that picked up on that in Atlantis and it's carried carried on really throughout the non-con like yeah I'm able to you know of course be nervous some in the game but a game like this against Pitt they've had UNC's number 
And it is a, a game that technically doesn't hurt you, but like it would hurt you to lose to this pit team. I think they're they're pretty average as a whole. I want to say they're like 45th on Kim Palm. Uh, I'd say they they have a chance to be on the bubble. Um, but going into it, like just the history there and how, like you mentioned, winning five of the last six was a, a game I really wanted to see Carolina come out and handle business. Um, and for a second there, it didn't look like we were going to. Uh-uh. That start was <laughs> abysmal. And that's what made me so scared is like the history of Pitt having our number on top of the fact that this was this group's true, like first true road game. I'm like, dude, of course we have to start at Pitt. Like it's going to continue. Then the first like 10 minutes were just awful. And I, I was, I mean, Five minutes in or, or four minutes in, however long it was, I'm sitting here thinking to myself, like, are, are we just going to, like, score zero points? I mean, we literally can't hit a shot. And, I mean, it, it was worrisome. I also noticed that we always start games off with, like, three Cormac shots, which is very <laughs> interesting to me. Like, I guess to see, you know, what the vibes are, if he's going to be in, like, a heat check mood. He ended up settling down and playing pretty good down the stretch. But – I mean, I took away from this that this group, and I feel like we've talked about this a lot, is different than the others because they can win in so many different ways. Like they talked about it on the broadcast. UNC wants to be a finesse team. They they don't they don't want to play physical, but this team showed that they can play physical mm-hmm. because Pitt was being very physical. And, you know. Like second half, TV Teddy, he stepped up a little bit. You know, he was uh, he, <laughs> hey, he was that was the a legacy performance from TV oh, Teddy. Oh, <laughs> dude, I, I need listen. I know like one's NBA, one's college, but just once in my life, let me get a TV Teddy Scott Foster collab. That game will take five and a half hours to complete. But I mean, yeah, it was the physicality was incredible, and I'm telling mm. you, like, there's two guys that that really stand out to me in these games that just up the physicality of the whole team. And it's so easily Harrison Ingram and Seth Trimble. Mm-hmm. Like, dude, first off, Seth Trimble was phenomenal. Like this was kind of the Seth Trimble game. Like he, he kept us in it for a while, but dude, Harrison Ingram shot terribly, but I mean, 15 rebounds banging in the post. I mean, this guy, like he's on that Brady manic maybe only one year in UNC, but like Mm -hmm. one of my favorite Tar Heels level. Yeah, I think you're spot on with the physicality. And like, this is a game I have zero interest in rewatching. I don't think I want to, maybe let me see a highlight of that Seth Trimble dunk that that alley-oop from RJ was sick. But as a whole, yeah, not one I'm going to be like, oh, let's fire up the Matthew Loves Ball highlights and dive back into this. It was so ugly to watch because like, um, I mean, Carolina just could not get clean looks and they missed some clean looks, but I love that they were able to get a double digit win on the road. Cause it shows that they can, they can win ugly. And uh, again, we've, we've talked some about the rebounding issues of this team and the, obviously the UNC has, has a size disadvantage in most games it plays against high major competition, but I don't want to sound cliche. Like I don't take their lack of size for lack of toughness. Like it's a, it's a team that in my mind has some of that same mental fortitude that we saw of the 2022 team when they got hot down the stretch and started coming together at the right time. Um, Just because both this game and the Oklahoma game, 
you know, they got out to anywhere from like an eight to nine point lead, maybe pit. And then it happened with Oklahoma too, cuts the lead to anywhere from four to six and someone steps up and hits a big shot. Uh, you mentioned Harrison already, but I thought that three that he drained out of the Armando double team for one great pass from Armando, but two, how about yeah, Ingram after a tough shooting night where he did everything else? Well, 15 boards, three assists, two blocks, steps into the shot, drains it, and it's basically the dagger. Uh, and, yeah, you're spot on with Seth, too. I think his – you know, he's not going to have the counting stats that will will get him in the national conversation for most improved player, but any Carolina fan knows, like, how many – how much the, – the, the just strides that he's made since last year. It's It's yeah. been incredible to see. I mean, to me – it looks like Hubert set Seth down in the offseason and was like, look, I don't want you to go anywhere. You might not start, but you're going to be the most important piece off this bench. Mm-hmm. Like, We need your defense. We need your athleticism. His shooting, like the freaking shot clock, the shot clock winding down top of the key three that he hit that was just straight nails. Last year, he might throw that over the backboard. Like, <laughs> like, dude, he's just, he's so, so good this year. Like I would go as far to say in, in a lot of contests in the ACC, which we'll get into the schedule in a little bit, but in a lot of these contests, he's going to be like the X factor guy. Mm-hmm. You kind of know what you're getting from everyone else, but yeah, I mean, I, it was nice to, to out rebound pit by 10, grab yep. 51 rebounds. And I think it was a great test into the next conference game against Clemson because Clemson is also big. They rebound the ball extremely well. You just played a team who doesn't start a guy that's below 6'5". Like, Mm -hmm. they're not the greatest, but, dude, they are long Mm -hmm. and on the glass and physical, and I think it was a great preparation game for this brutal test that's going to be Saturday. But, I mean, yeah, I just – you know, you shoot 29% from three. You, you were pretty much terrible offensively. I mean, RJ finally had a bad game, shot six mm-hmm. of 16. You know, Ingram was like two of 12 or something like that. Armando was, looked a little bit back. But yeah, I, I wanted stuff, man. Yeah, I got, I got, before we move on to the conference preview and talk some about Clemson, two thoughts. Again, I, I wanted to build off of Trimble and just share a little insight of what he told me after the, the Charleston Southern game, just talking to him in the press room and tweeted out one of these videos, just uh, him reflecting on his development over the past year. He said a lot of it was mental and sort of the mental block his freshman year where I, I didn't, exp- I, I mean, I almost explicitly said to him like, Hey, you know, last year there were times where you went into the lane and were out of control yet like we saw it against Charleston Southern. He hit probably three or four floaters down the stretch when he was in the lane tonight. We saw him hit that lefty finish. That was one of the first baskets UNC got. He's playing so much more under control. He's hitting threes that, I mean, that alley-oop was so fun to watch. Like he's, and not to mention, he's still an absolute menace on ball. Like he's just a hellacious defender. And I, I thought UNC's defense as a whole was pretty good. This game They're like, they definitely got bailed out by Pitt missing some clean looks. Um, it wasn't like a perfect defensive performance by any stretch, but I thought they fought through screens well. They had good communication. Uh, and you you mentioned Armando. He was the last one I wanted to touch on because I'm glad he finished with 16 and 10 because even when he had 10 points, I was like, man, I can't believe he's, you know, his point total so low because it feels like he was all over this game. Yeah. Like defensively, he was 
fantastic. That's one of the best defensive performances I've seen him put up. The the block on on Federico was nuts. Like he was literally playing center field on the screen, and Federico got downhill, and he somehow blocked it. Like right when I mean, yeah, that's. That's one of the better defensive performances I've seen from him Mm -hmm. for sure. And you even saw it like the last possession of the game. And granted, it was garbage time, but Armando's been pretty good switching on guards, really going back to the the national title run. Uh, Carlton Carrington got him on a switch. Baycott stuck with him, forced him to the right, forced him to throw up a contested shot that was an air ball. Like he, UNC actually has a pretty good defense when Armando is operating as that anchor, as he is protecting the rim, getting a couple blocks and playing admirably in switches. So yeah, I thought, you know, it wasn't as flashy as some of his, well, granted Armando games are rarely flashy. It wasn't as gritty. It wasn't as headline grabbing as his 2020 games, but maybe the best game he's played all year. I got another defensive shout out too. I do agree with the Mondo thing. Elliot Cadeau was elite every time he got switched on to Blake Henson. Yeah, he had four fouls, but dude, Blake Henson outweighs him by like two hundred damn pounds. Mm-hmm. So it's like, I mean, he got the he got the offensive foul called or pretty early in the first. I mean, I thought I thought Cadeau was like super suit like he just did exactly what we said that we wanted him to do all year, mm-hmm. which is just be scrappy, be annoying, try. And dude, I thought he was actually like really good on defense and. I got to give a shout out. It was the best Jalen Withers game we've been blessed with yet. He actually. <laughs> he was good. He No, like, dude, I never thought I'd be saying this. In the first half, when when he had the, the Withers-Washington combo out there and Armando was on the bench, I actually got like a little upset when he took out Withers instead <laughs> of Washington. Because, I mean, he was physical on the glass. Mm-hmm. Like, he looked more under control. Now he did the typical missed his one super wide open three, but he still finished two of three. Like that's all we need from Withers, mm-hmm. man. Give me them solid 12 minutes and, and we're chilling. I mean, I thought it was, I thought it was definitely his best performance without question. Yeah. His, I mean, his putback was also at a really clutch moment where he, you see the athleticism, you see why fans like want to see him materialize. I know we've, you know, voiced some skepticism just with him being 22, 23 years old and sort of thinking he might be what he is, but you know, maybe this is where maybe we are moving toward seeing him thrive in an actual basketball environment, just in a, you know, 15 minute a game role. Um, but I'm with you on that. So yeah, as a whole, pleased with UNC's defensive performance, got bailed out by some, some miss pit, Oh, some pit missing some open shots, but as a whole, pretty encouraging to see. And I'm never going to complain about a double digit road winning conference. We play. finally broke the ca- the capel curse, man. That dude had- was a was becoming a part time owner. But I do want to give a shout out because I'm assuming <clears throat> he's going to stay two years. But dude, Carlton Carrington's going to be an issue. At that some dude's point. nice. Dude, he's, he's good, good bro. He's, he's a- six five, and he's just oh man, he's going to be special. I hope he I hope he portals. He's got he's got to get out of pit. Go go get the bag from like let's see who would pay him. Any SEC school, UConn. Go be he the gives Tristan. Me, he gives me Houston vibes. I could see that. Like he just does. I mean, getting that Big Twelve money. 
Oh yeah. <laughs> All right. Shall we talk a little bit about uh, the conference slate? Oh yeah, man. It's going to be a doozy. It is. And I, I think part of why this win was so important was just looking at these next three games, uh, play Clemson on Saturday. The NC state game is the following Tuesday, I believe. I don't Wednesday. have the schedule in front of me. Wednesday. I got it in front of me. And you you want to go two and one during this stretch, uh, one and two at worst. Well, we locked that up tonight. We'll at worst go one and two, but preferably two and one, or excuse me, preferably three and zero. Oh, uh, but at least want to get two and one, and to to have that first one in the bank with the toughest matchup coming up. Definitely going in with a little confidence. But uh, as you look ahead to that Clemson game, I know you talked about their rebounding. Is there anything else that sticks out sticks out to you as far as you know what will be the keys for UNC to come out of Little John Coliseum with a win? Well, first off, we've said it all year, but like this is genuinely a game that if Armando does not show up, we get killed. And that's just that's just a fact. Now, I will say this, I am a little worried about Joe Girard because he typically does hoop against UNC, but on the other end, you know, Clemson's strength is inside, and I, I think this could be an absolute R.J. Davis masterclass. Like, mm-hmm. I mean, maybe they try to put, like, Chauncey Wiggins on him for some length, and, I mean, I, I just don't think they have the answer for R.J. I mean, not like anyone does, but, like, he's coming off a bad game, too. This could be a huge, huge R.J. game, but the other key is Ingram has to be better than Shefflin. Like mm-hmm. it's it's pretty simple. That's kind of the the Swiss Army knife X factor guys for both teams, right? And Ingram has to be the better one. Now, I am a little, I'm not as worried because Clemson really hasn't been tested. If I'm being honest, like UNC has been tested. The mm-hmm. Kentucky game was a test. The UConn game was a test. Like even Villanova, I'd consider that a test. You know, Clemson's 11 and one, but like South Carolina took them down to the brink. I mean, there's just, I think Clemson is really good, but I'm going to go yeah. go out and say this, especially for, for our boys on After Dark. Uh, I, I do think we're gassing Clemson a little too much, mm-hmm. like just a little bit. I think they're really good. Definitely a tournament lock, definitely a top three team in the ACC. However, I think we need to pump the brakes a little bit because the schedule has been pretty favorable. Mm -hmm. I'm with you to an extent. I I sort of think UNC drops this game on Saturday. I do too. We've sort of struggled in little John in recent years. And a lot of teams have like they beat Duke there last year. It's like, it's just a tough place to play. It's I've never been to little John. It's kind of a weird looking arena. You got that giant paw print that takes up like 70 to 80% of the court, (laughs) the center center court, like the lighting in it seems weird. It's just, I I, I don't know that that arena as a whole uh, has sort of been a house of horrors for many an ACC foe recently. Um, but I, I think you, you're spot on with the Eden Shefflin and Harrison Ingram matchup. Shefflin to me is uh, sort of been that type of player that's hurt Carolina a lot this year. When you see he's top 35 nationally in both offensive rebounding rate and defensive rebounding rate. Like he is one tough dude. Who's not overly big. He's only six, eight, but he's got, he's got some width to him. He's got some muscle to him and just has a nose for the ball. So He's one to watch. And I think, you know, Chase Hunter, he's going the one who's going to draw the assignment of uh, R.J. Davis, most likely. I'm guessing they'll try to hide Joe Girard on Cadeau, which 
maybe we see Huber Davis let Elliot cook a little bit out of ball screens. Um, can see that. Blow by Joe, blow by Joe Girard. That'd be nice to see. Um, but Chase Hunter pick, has picked up his play recently. He was someone I thought was really good last year and was sort of like the one of the more slept on guards in the country. He scored 16 against Radford coming into this game, uh, 13 in the loss to Memphis because he had started out a little bit slower out of the gates. And but they like if Clemson does want to win this game, they can't afford a, a no show from Chase Hunter. They. You know, it is interesting. This is kind of like, you know, last four games at Little John, UNC's two and two. So it's just kind of, like you said, they struggle. It just doesn't, this matchup really doesn't make sense to me because I don't understand how you absolutely own a team at home. They cannot beat (laughs) you in the Smith Center. Like they can't. And it's just like you play them on their court and, you know, respectfully it's not like little john is going into the kennel or or anything like that like it just doesn't make any sense i i think if they win this game though i'll be honest man and i'm not just saying this because it's a rival but i'm not worried about nc state at all like i think i think we're gonna crush nc state but i mean look man this is the one that's important because if you win this one the only game I'm really worried about the rest of the month, and obviously they could lose one. I'm just saying the only one that really like scares me a bit is Syracuse, mm-hmm. just because Judah Mintz is that guy. Mm-hmm. But but like I think this one's huge because the month of January is is pretty favorable. But then we transition to February, which is where I want to go next to you. Yep. And it sucks. You play Duke at home, Clemson at home, at Miami, at Q's, Virginia Tech at home, at Virginia, which I don't care. Yes, Virginia sucks. We'll find a way. We'll find a way to make that close. We're not gonna win that game. Just no, prepare mentally. Then, we don't win in JPJ. And then Miami at Carolina. I mean, you look at those seven games, like that could easily be a three and four or four and three months. So mm. You know, how important is this this month of January? Like, what's your ideal? You look at the nine conference games. What's your your record for, for the heels that they could get away with where you're like, all right, I feel pretty good about the rest of the year. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. 
For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America NA, member FDSE. As you guys know by now, we've partnered with BetMGM Sportsbook for this college basketball season. We're going to be using BetMGM lines to make all of our picks and predictions throughout the college basketball season. And we are going to have special offers for you, the listeners and the viewers on the field of 68, each and every week during the season. If you haven't signed up with BetMGM yet, use the bonus code FIELD1500 and you will get up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager on BetMGM Sportsbook. Here's what you got to do. Download the BetMGM app. Sign up using the bonus code FIELD1500. Deposit at least $10 and place your first wager on any game. You will receive up to $1,500 in bonus bets if that bet loses. Just make sure you use the bonus code FIELD1500 when you sign up. And remember, BetMGM is now available under one wallet in select states. As a New Jersey resident, this is super convenient for me when I have to go cover games in New York or Philly. When cross the state borders, just log into your existing account instead of having to create new accounts in each state that you go to. And most importantly, I got to let you know, we do have some fun stuff coming up for this college basketball season. Bet insurance tokens, college hoops odds boosts, my personal favorite, parlay odds boosts. So download the BetMGM app today. I mean, I sort of think, so let's see, there's one, two, three, four, five. I need to make sure. How many games did you say were in January? After nine. Today? Well, there's eight left, but nine in total, uh-huh. including Pitt. I kind of think you want to go seven and one the rest of the way at worst six and two like i agree you you can excuse dropping a game at georgia tech um again another arena where john henson said this on after dark a few nights ago that like even when he was there on elite carolina teams that got one seeds like they would play poorly in atlanta it's like the football team plays poorly there too um so yeah maybe you drop one of those games but yeah you i will say the thing about february like you get some good teams at home you should beat Duke, Clemson, and Miami at home. I know they're good teams, but you gotta you gotta hold serve on your home court. Um, but yeah, going to Coral Gables, going to I mean, UNC's played pretty well at Syracuse in recent years. I can't remember if they've lost there uh in the past few seasons, but it's always uh, the Syracuse team is pretty good. They got guards, they got length. So yeah, it's yeah, a that's- it's, any team with guards, kind of historically, I'm just like they got a chance. Mm-hmm. You know they 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 got a puncher's chance because we've been susceptible to that in the past. I do think this year we are better defensively, but yeah, it's I'm very interested to, to watch this game on Saturday because this game against Pitt was a litmus test, and then this game against Clemson is really like all right who's the best team in the ACC? Let's mm-hmm. see it. And yeah. it, I mean, I think we got to have a chip on our shoulder, man. Like, mm-hmm. I think, I think we got to come out there and be like, all right, they're 11 and one, you know, we, we need to prove something here. We need to right. prove that, that we're, we're the team to beat. you know, I, I just worry about it, man. Cause I do think, yeah, I do think this team can at times, be a little bit live and die by the three ish. Mm-hmm. And obviously tonight 
they played so well defensively, it didn't really matter. But against a team like Clemson, if the threes aren't falling, I promise you they're going to score more than 57 points. Like, yeah. P.J. Hall is going to figure something else out. And right. that's that's what, that's what ultimately what concerns me. Like, yeah. P.J. Hall is the type of big who historically just absolutely slices UNC's defense. And mm-hmm. it worries me, man, but I think – I think it's one of those things where you kind of have to let PJ try to cook Armando one-on-one and just worry about stopping everyone else. Let PJ be an (laughs) All-American. Let PJ be first-team All-ACC and focus on everyone else. Yeah, yeah. I'm with you on that. Uh, I will say I think it's good that they got this road game out of their system first. Um, And again, after the Charleston Southern game, Hubert was really downplaying it. He said – uh, the basket's the same. Like it, 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 it's like y'all keep talking about these neutral games. Didn't feel like neutral being in Atlanta. It didn't feel like neutral playing Arkansas in the Bahamas. Like it didn't feel like neutral playing in MSG. Didn't feel like neutral playing in Charlotte, uh, at Oklahoma. Just in that case, that was in UNC's favor. But anyway, I do think there is something different when you are at a school's building with their fans. No matter how many coaches, how many players try to downplay it. It's good to get that out of their system. And, you know, even going into this game Saturday, like I think the UNC's players will have a sense for the moment. You know, it's one of those games where I think you're going to see an R.J. Davis, a Harrison Ingram rise their game to meet the occasion. Um, so I, I don't think Carolina is going to shoot um, 29% from three again. Even as I'm talking it out, I'm like, do I want to change my prediction and say Carolina gets the win, but I'm just afraid to jinx us. So Yeah, uh, hey, you know my rule, man. After the Kentucky game, I told you, I will not predict Carolina to win in any more big games because every time I do, they find a way, man. They right, find a way predict- to, to, to make me wrong. Maybe I'll balance it out and predict Carolina to win on Saturday if you're going to say they won't. Um, I'm Yeah, I'm going to go out and say it. Carolina wins at Clemson. They win at State. They win at home for Syracuse. They definitely win at home for Louisville. They win at Boston College. They win at home against Wake Forest, and they win at Florida State. Yeah. Yeah. I, I You know, I think. And we're looking only- at a nine-game winning streak, like our longest in probably five years. Yeah. I think, I guess this kind of leads me into the into the next question here. So I, I, you know, I don't think the ACC is particularly great this year, to say the least. I think a lot of the teams that were supposed to be good, Virginia, they're not. They're just really bad. And then I look at a team like Miami, who, yeah, I get they've been hurt. They've been playing without without Nigel, and I think they played a game without Wuga as well. But I watched what happened when they played Kentucky, man. And I just don't know how good they are. I know they have good guards, and that's a formula in college basketball, but I don't – I just don't think they're that great, and I don't think the ACC is that great. So with that being said, looking at it, UNC – is 10 and three now. Mm-hmm. What is the record for the season where you'd be like, all right, I'm disappointed. And what's the record where you're like, that's what I expected. And what's the record that would be overperforming the expectation? You know, I would say worse than probably 14 and six. If UNC finishes 14 or 13 and seven in league play, 
which would have them at what is that 13 and 7 i'm bad at math 23 and 10 thank you uh (laughs) (laughs) no i think that would be we'd be 21 and 10 because we've already played two league games so we go oh yeah that's carolina went 11 and 7 and league played down the stretch in 21 and 10 I would feel kind of disappointed by that going into the tournament. Um, you know, I think that would still, I think they would still have enough Q1 wins in there to be like a seven or an eight seed, but it would be a far cry from the hope at like a three or maybe even a two seed that I, I have for Carolina right now. Um, 16 and four, I would be pumped about. Oh, yeah. If 15 and five, 14 and six, I'd be 15 and five, I'd be pretty happy about 14 and six. I'd be like, okay, yeah, this is, this is fine. This is a little bit, maybe slightly disappointing, but Hey, I'll take it. Um, but yeah, 15 and five or better. We'll be flying high. Yeah. I'm, I'm in the same boat. I'll be honest. You know, some people might think this is being a little bit too confident, but from what I've seen and how unpredictable college basketball has been this year, which there's always a lot of parody in college hoops, but this year it's been, kind of nuts considering we're only just over a month in like I would say this I fully expect that UNC should be a top four seed in the tournament like yeah I do think they're a top 12 team in the nation so if they're if, if they choke and they end up being like a seven you know I'm gonna be very disappointed I think this should be a a season in which at worst, they finish as a top 15 team and they finish second in the ACC. Like, mm-hmm. I know Duke's figuring it out. I know Clemson's good, but I still, just from what I've seen, I think that that's very feasible. I think the SEC and the ACC are both very weak this year. So, you know, I just, yeah. I don't think there's any excuse. So let, let's close with this topic. Speaking of the ACC, speaking of our own expectations, what do you think Carolina has to do to win the ACC? What needs to change? What needs to continue? Okay. So they have to keep pushing the pace. Like, no matter what, I don't care if they're up by 20. When they slow the game down, they suck. No more slowing the game down. Like, <laughs> bad shots. Um... I think the other thing I would say that needs to change, the rebounding. We saw it tonight. We need to see it every game. Mm -hmm. Like the rebounding has to be there. I've been pleased with the turnovers. For the most part, I've been pleased with the shot selection. Um, But to win the ACC and take them to that next level, I think that... Cadeau has to be able to score a little better. Yep. I don't need him to give me like 15 or 10. I need him to be like a guy that doesn't get guarded like Ben Simmons. And that's it. I love the kid. He's an insane playmaker. He's like the improvement from game one to now defensively is nuts. Mm -hmm. I just need to see a little scoring. That's it. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I would say for me, what I think needs to stay the same, like you mentioned, keep pushing the pace. Uh, let I love Harrison Ingram uh, as a playmaker from the top of the key in secondary break. We've seen that a little bit. Um, and, you know, but I, I also like that I think Hubert knows when, when it gets to be a half-court game, you want R.J. Davis cooking out a pick and roll. You want to spread it out. You want to run Spain pick and roll, Ram pick and roll, uh, 
and let him go to work. I think that's the key to success. Um, I want to see Armando's defensive intensity continue like it was both against Pitt and Oklahoma. Um, yeah, those are the two big keys. And Harrison Ingram got to keep making threes. I know he was only one for five against Pitt, but he's still probably 39, 40% on the year. As long as he can stay above 37, 38%, think UNC's in a good position. What I want to see change is also Cadeau. It all comes back to him. Just just let him operate out of ball screens a little bit more. And I think any lineup that he's in, you got to have at least one of Cormac or RJ with him. You need yes. that shooting gravity around him. Uh, shoot, I mean, maybe Seth Trimble, if he keeps shooting the way he does, play him to get a little shooting gravity as they, around him as well. Um, you want players who are going to be able to spread it out around him and let him get downhill. Cause it still feels to me like even though he lacks elite length, he's going to get some of his shots blocked. He's so explosive that it, it seems like he can get downhill so easily. And I know that might not make sense for people who don't watch Carolina and you see he's scoring scored four points against Pitt, uh, but he can do it. He can get, get to the rim and finish through contact. And I would love to see him get these free throws figured out. Eventually it's got to happen. Um, you you want to see by the end of this month, by the end of this seven games left in, in January, you want to see Cadeau be able to give you eight to 12 points most nights, three to six assists, um, and hopefully maybe 70% free throw shooter instead of like 55%. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Yeah, um, the last thing, which kind of forgot to add it. I do want to see a little more consistency out of Cormac as well. Mm -hmm. I mean, when he's great, he's great. And I like what he's doing, but like outside of shooting the ball, which is funny because you bring him in and he's like a knockdown shooter. Outside of shooting the ball, I've I've loved most of the things he's done. Like he's always intense. He's always playing full speed. He's always trying on both ends of the floor if he can just tune it a little bit, just give me two for five every night. Like, and there we go. Like yeah. that, that's, that's the key, man. Yeah. It's interesting with him. Like he's, it feels like he's money every time he shoots a mid range shot. It's just when he steps beyond the arc, I'm like, why is he missing so many? He's um, sometimes I honestly think now some of them are just not good shots, but some of them, he seems like a guy that doesn't like shooting when he's too open. Yeah, like, like he needs he, a little hand in his face to give him a little he, challenge. Yeah, like he needs a lit. He needs someone at least like in the vicinity. I've noticed on the wide open looks. I don't know if he's overthinking. I don't know if he's hesitating. I mean, the form looks the same, but yeah, it's he's going to be huge because he's got to be able to to get to that point where guys like actually have to worry about him. Mm-hmm. Like they need to be on the court like trembling. Oh my God, if they run a play for Cormac Ryan here and he's open, we're cooked. He's hit. Yeah. And yeah. that's it. And, you know, like you said with Ingram, do I expect yeah. him to maintain 40%? Not necessarily, but as long as he stays respectable, mm-hmm. we're fine. Yeah. That's all we need. Yep. All right. Let's close with four corners. I got, I got a little topic. This is 
unrelated to conference play, but I think all the UNC fans, well, I would assume our, our audience is probably 95% UNC fans <laughs> who will appreciate this. Um, this was, this idea was given to me by actually someone uh, on an inside Carolina message board, B Smitty, shout out, this, shout out to this dude who, who shot me this idea. Uh, I want to, I want to, um, rank the best number fives in UNC history. Hmm. That's a good one. Are we like or our top four? I guess to, to fit the four corners theme. Man, that's tough. Are we gonna just do like a conjoined list? I feel like that's the easiest way to do it because that way we're not like stealing each other's picks. Or yeah, I feel I like we can you. do it. I feel like we can do a combined list, and then we can determine if certain guys are fives or if they're not. I'm with you. I mean, I will give you the floor. Oh, I was saying the guys to wear number five. Oh, guys to wear number five. Okay. Uh So I was. God. (laughs) Oh, man. Got got a lot of point guards to choose from. And then Armando, maybe a little Tony Bradley uh, appearance cameo. No, Tony's not cracking it. What a a great being Tony Bradley being a one and done is still absolutely nuts to me. (laughs) Hey, he got it. He was a first round pick. He got a guaranteed contract. Yeah. If, I mean, if that's he was true. Though if he was around in the NIL era, year two, Tony Bradley would have been making crazy money. That dude would have been a focal point and would have been a monster. I agree. All right. So, I mean, let's just say this. I think there's two that we both know, like our locks, right? Ty. Ty and, and Marcus. They're both locks, right? I think Marcus does have to be a lock. Yeah, I would say say he is just because it's like weird because I don't think he necessarily is from a talent perspective, but from like a program impact, Mm -hmm. he's definitely got to be there. Right. He was so important to the program, especially through the academic program. Oh, yeah. Through the academic scandal is like that stabilizing force, made an All-American team and got the Final Four National Championship appearance that I think gets him on there. I think you could, between... Armando and Marcus, I th- I would give the edge to Marcus just because like they both have the Final Four in the national championship appearance. They both have All American teams, but I think Armando was third team, whereas Marcus was either first or a second his sophomore year. And I think Marcus played on an elite team that got a one seed his senior year, and the best seed Baycott's gotten in the tournament is an eight. Um, Baycott can make up some ground. I think if if UNC snags like a two seed this year and sustains this like top ten ranking all year, but yeah, I'm gonna I, I say Marcus for sure deserves it with Ty. That leaves two spots left. We could go Kendall Marshall. We could go Ed Coda for the old heads. Uh, I feel like I feel like Coda has to be in there just simply because like he's the he's like the OG version of what Cadeau will be if he stays yeah, multiple years. Like, he's probably – I mean, that's tough because I think him and Kendall Marshall are probably, like, the best two passers in the history of the program, arguably. Mm-hmm. So, I mean – I think so, – I would say throw Ed Coda for the old heads. Oh, yeah, 100%. percent you got to have an OG. He, he, yeah, he is an OG and had, like, the cult following who people – like, people who – like, I'm too young to remember Ed Coda. Um I mean, I was alive when he played at UNC. I just wasn't really paying attention. <laughs> I might not have even been alive if I'm being honest. So, but I just know he was there from '96 to 2000. Were you born in two? Were you born in? I was 99? born in '98. 
So, okay. so you, I was two. I, was, I, I wasn't necessarily locked in on the X's and O's at the ripe age of two. I was four to eight years old. So I was eight his last or seven his last year there. Yeah, I was not paying attention. Um, but yeah, people who were around to watch Ed Coda rave about how great Ed Coda was. So we can throw him on there. 100%. And then it comes down to like, who's the final spot? Hey, Butter, Armando. See, okay, this is where it's hard, right? Feels like there has to be a big. Feels like there does. I think the three point guards we've picked, I'd probably put over Kendall Marshall. And I want to say Mondo just because when his career is over at the end of this year, Mm -hmm. I mean, he's going to be what? Statistically, without question, a top 10 player in the history of the program. Right. I mean, I just. Yeah, he, he. Has a good case for top ten. I don't think he's top ten from a talent perspective, but mm-hmm. just from a from a statistical stance, right. he'll be top ten. So it's like, I just, it's hard to leave him off, man. It, and it, it's like one of those things where if Armando was a a three year player, he's he's definitely not on this list. But because he he has played every year, right. I just think I think you got to have him on, man. Like all the double doubles, he's over 2k mm-hmm. like he's gonna be you know i mean he, he could go down as a guy that you look at in, in the future and say he might be like the best rebounder there mm-hmm. i mean it's just I, I can't leave him off like i would yeah. personally lean him over k butter no i think i go with that to too. Go with the, and it's also like i think that the national championship appearance carries a lot of weight um it's funny i'm looking at rosters from like the 80s because i'm like okay the 82 team with michael jordan is there anybody we're forgetting there's only one player on that team who wore a single digit linwood robinson wore number four everybody else was in the 20s 30s or 40s interesting how about this they had a 41 43 44 and 45 a 50 timo timo makinen wore 51 warren martin wore 54 talk about some terrible jersey numbers Dude, that's a that's a disaster. Like, I would hate to watch that. That would be the least aesthetically pleasing game that you could ever watch. Like, I can't, you know, my last thing, I can't stand dudes that wear, like, obnoxiously high numbers on the basketball court. Like, I'm forever a Taj Gibson hater because he wore the number 67 in Minnesota. Who does that? Horrendous. I mean, that's I like, so. oh, my God. I remember when Amir Johnson – left Philly and came to Boston and he was number 99 like dude and Jay Crowder the Celtics have had a lot of dudes where the Celtics look like they're trying to tote out like an offensive and a defensive line with the numbers they they always have dudes wearing numbers in the 70s and oh dude I do think 77 looks kind of cool on Luca I'll give him that no yeah see when you're a certain level of elite yeah you can wear whatever you want it doesn't matter like bro if LeBron was number 81 who cares that would be kind of tight like who cares but yeah i mean scrubs that wear high numbers i'm out i'm out on scrubs wearing high numbers i think generally if you're gonna go in the like above 50 the only numbers that look good are 50 and 55 yes i mean like t hands looked normal in 50 yeah like that's a pretty normal number it also it's positional a point guard wearing 50 is like vomit 
a center or a power forward wearing 50 can rock with it a little bit. Yeah. I'm yeah, with man. you on that. I'm, I'm, I'm out. I'm out on the high number guys. So just for, for conversation's sake, uh, the jerseys that are honored in the Dean Dome that are hanging, the only fives to make it are Ty Lawson and Marcus Page. So I think those two, like you said, Page for sure has to be on there. Those were our two locks. And then I like going Coda and Baycott to round out the group. I'm surprised Coda hasn't gotten it. I, yeah, I, I think really am. The the qualifications you have to be what are, it's like you have to be either first or second team All American or an MVP of a national champion team or an ACC player of the year. That's the qualifications for it. So Marcus got it from being first-team All-American his sophomore year. Ty, second-team All-American and an ACC Player of the Year. Huh, that's crazy. He was an ACC Player of the Year and wasn't first-team All-American. But, um, yeah. The disrespect is crazy on the Mm. ACC. You can disrespect them this year. They stink. But (laughs) other years in the past, man, like, come on. What are we doing here? We got conference as a whole needs to set their game up. We need you, Virginia. Well, I never want to cheer for Virginia, but they're just so bad right now. Like, dude, Miami needs to get it together. We need the heavyweights. Like, Carolina is doing our part, is doing their part. Hate to admit it, Duke is like starting to do their part. Clemson holding it for like those middle tier programs. Like, someone else has got to emerge. But I'll give the ups to Q's too. They're 10 and three, yeah, at least. Mm-hmm. And as at the time of recording, they're giving Duke all it can handle in Cameron. So, hey, and I would like to say this it's my final note before we leave. Go back and watch our preview. We did a four corners, and me and Riley both had Syracuse top four in the ACC. So, just saying. We Still might has a chance ball. to age poorly. Still has a chance to age poorly. It does. <laughs> With that being said, we'll sign off for tonight. Once again, I'm Riley Davis, uh, your host, joined by Jacob Karabatsis for The Pot is the Roof. Follow us both on Twitter. Follow the podcast page on Twitter. We've been getting some good engagement recently. We want to keep building that channel. Subscribe to the YouTube channel. Helps a ton with, with visibility. And I'm going to tease this. Going forward, we're going to start finding a way to incorporate the YouTube comments. Yes, we are. And a lot of guests will be coming on soon. So stay Stay strapped in.